Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. All right. Hey, great to see everybody today. And we're in the series Pray First. Next few weeks after this, going to be absolutely phenomenal. You don't want to miss it. But today, all the way from Laguna Beach, California, our friend, evangelist, Steve Hage. Would you please stand? Welcome, Steve. Come on, bring the word. Don't forget mentioning tonight, tomorrow night. Hi, you may be seated. Thank you so much for uh, welcoming me into this family. Uh, I'm so honored and thrilled to be here with all of you. Thank you so much for coming and making an investment in your spirit. How many of y'all appreciate your pastors, uh, Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie? Praise the Lord. So glad, so glad that uh, they haven't quit. You know, uh, 1,500 1500 pastors quit every month in America. And uh, yeah, that's because we have to deal with y'all. Come on, somebody. That's what happens. We just can't deal with it. So uh, how many of you know that love, if you love one another, you can get through anything? And so the fact that uh, Pastor and Jeannie have uh, stayed put, have driven a stake and stayed planted is a testament of their love for you. And so uh, y'all have some great, great, great loving people in the house. Uh, I do believe that Pastor lacks a little bit of discernment in his uh, guest speaker selections. But uh, since I'm here, I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, This is, I think, my 17th uh, year in a row uh, of being with you. So I just think that uh, Pastor brings me in so he knows exactly what not to do with his life. Amen, somebody. So, uh, so glad to be here. Um, Michelle, I, I heard the Lord tell me to tell you, uh, stand up real quick, if you don't mind, that there has been a season of your life where you've been pushing against something pushing against something, and, I, I, and, and I, I wasn't even thinking about this, but I heard the Holy Spirit say, tell her that in 2017, she's never going to have to face that Pharaoh again. Remember when Moses was being taken, you'll never have to face it again. This is the year when it all lifts, it all, and it's going to be a straight shot right through the Red Sea into the promised land for you. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Um, I have a, every, every year God begins to move in my heart about, uh, giving me a word for the people that I have the privilege to speak for in America. This is the first church that I've had the, the privilege to serve the vision this year. And so I went to work and praying and, and, uh, I have this little prayer chair in my office and it's all torn up, but I've, I've been sitting in it for 25 years. And, uh, my wife, Danielle is always like, let's get you a new chair. Well, I've heard God so many times in that chair that now I got to put a beach towel on it. Come on, somebody. It's all toe up. You can't sit in it with short pants because the leather will 
it'll cut you, or the pleather, I don't know what y'all, it'll cut, cut into, oh, this is in California, y'all will, y'all will shoot something here, amen, we got to pretend leather in California, amen, so, uh, but I was sitting in my prayer chair, and I was praying about these meetings, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, for Resurrection Life Church, that 2016 was a year where God was increasing your capacity. And the, the fruit of difficulty is capacity, not the fruit of luxury. So some of you have been through something this year or last year that has made room for God to pour more into your life than ever before. And so 2017, I declare, is going to be the year of the outpour of more for your life. You're going to have more in your marriage. You're going to have more. Come on, somebody. You're going to have more in your career. You're going to have more in your health and healing. In fact, I believe that God is uh, uh, turning up the volume of healing in the house, healing of memories. How many of you know every once in a while we just got to give ourselves a break from our memories? Come on, man. And uh, uh, the healing of, of your bodies, the healing of your relationships. This is going to be the year I believe that your connections are going to be greater than ever before, where your wealth and your business are going to take more territory. Territory. You're going to have increase in your hope, increase in your relationships. Lost people are coming home. Tonight, I'm going after lost people. Jesus said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. I got to tell you, the apostle, Saul of Tarsus didn't have any intention of becoming a Christian on that day when he was going to Damascus, Syria. But the prayers of the people in Syria knew he was coming, and they didn't go to meet him and negotiate. They just sent Jesus. And how many know that Jesus knocked him off his donkey onto his donkey. Come on, somebody. And everybody that was traveling with him, and he went from a murderer to a minister in 60 seconds. Why? Because of the power of prayer. How many of y'all have somebody needs to get into the kingdom of God in your life? Amen. You come believing tonight, and we're going to smack the devil upside his head. We're going to get what belongs to us and bring him into the household of God. Why? Because this is the year of more than before because God's going to give an outpour of more for you and me. Amen, somebody? I want you to believe it. We need to set the atmosphere for it. You're going to take more territory, every single area and any area of your life where you need more is going to happen for you in 2017. This is the year. Praise the Lord. Amen? So let me, uh, let me just begin by entitling this message, God's Intentions Will Prevail. Now, I know that the devil has intentions. I know you have intentions. I know different people have intentions for your life. But how many of you know that the intentions of God, what God wants, what God says, what the Lord Jesus procured for you on Calvary's hill is what will be predominant and preeminent in your life and it will prevail in your life. John chapter 6, verse 63, let me just lay some brief foundation. Jesus says that uh, it is the spirit that gives life. Now, how many of you know that, that uh, there's all kind of spirits that can affect the flesh, our lives? The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that, uh, quoting Joel, uh, that in the last days God says, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. So your flesh has the capacity in its engineering to cooperate with spirit. 
And so Jesus said, the only spirit that brings life to your life is the spirit of God. Now there's somebody, so there's some folks that are just like the walking dead. Come on somebody, there's no life to their life. They're making a living but they're not living a destiny. They're they're married but it's a dead marriage. They got a dream but it's a broken dream. They got kids but they don't have no relationship with their kids. Why? Because it's the spirit of God that gives life to our life. And then Jesus said, but the but the flesh profits nothing. And this is a, a condition that sometimes uh, we get into as human beings where I call it uh, the carnivorous tendency, where all we're in, uh, in it for is to satisfy the appetite of our flesh, where our flesh is putting a demand on our life and we just give into it and we become these carnivorous people that, that uh, when at the end of the day, that kind of behavior, that kind of activity, that kind of mindset doesn't produce anything that is eternal. The flesh profits nothing. There's no profit in unforgiveness. There's no profit in navel gazing. Come on, somebody. There's no profit in working for your salvation instead of receiving the abundance of grace. There's no, there's no profit in being angry at nobody. The anger of man does not, uh, does not accomplish the righteousness of God. There's no profit in. Sometimes we do it, but it never, ever moves the ball down the field as far as the kingdom's concerned. And Jesus said, so you want to know how to get your life, having some life to it? He said, my words are spirit. Now, how many of you know that every word is spirit? This is why we got to interrupt our internal conversations where we get into these internal dialogues that are telling you how bad you are, how shameful things are, how rough it's going to be for you. That They have a spirit on, on those words have a spirit on them that, that cause all of your faith to leak out. It causes your life to, to begin to be, begin to experience deficiencies when you are already complete in Christ. And so we've got to stop the spirit on the words that we have on the inside of us and start going with God's words concerning us. We're the righteousness of God in him. We're complete in him. We're the head and not the tail. All our children will be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the peace of our children. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I can do all things. I can. I can do it through Christ. There's nothing that you're facing that the power of God can't get you through, man. And so we need to be saying that about ourselves. So, so he says that there is, there's this, his words that he has spoken to us, our spirit in life. God says in Jeremiah chapter one, verse 12, I am watching over my word to perform it. Everybody say he's performing it. You know, so often we get into this thing where we got to do his word. No, we believe his word. How you believe is how you behave. How many of you know you can't behave your way into believing? I'm just going to believe. I'm just going to behave it. I'm going to behave it. I'm going to behave it. I'm going to fake it till I make it. No, if you believe it, you'll behave it. You can't, like, like when I was in love back in the day. You remember your little puppy love? And they call it puppy love because we were only in our teens. You remember puppy love? It's been too long. I'm almost 60. I forgot what puppy love is. Uh, I don't know what, I think puppies are just for kicking. I don't even know what puppies are for. But anyway, I, 
I think you're supposed to put shock collars on puppies, amen? And when they do something wrong, you just turn up the shock. Daniil put one on me for a while, but anyway, I've learned now. I'm, I've gone through marital therapy. But, 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 but you know, when, when, I was, when I was dating my wife, we've been married 37 years. When I was dating my, life, my wife, nobody had to say, don't clap, I had to live every minute of it. <laughs> but, but, but no one ever had to say, you, you just need to be nice to her. Why? Because I was in love with her. I am in love with, I am. She's probably watching. I love you, baby. I'm, I love you so much. But, but like, no, no one had to say you got to be nice to her. You got to buy her things. You got to like sacrifice for her. You got to lose sleep. You got to save up and take her out for a nice uh, Denny's combo. I don't know. Take her, go get a happy meal, save up for a month. But so, so you, I remember all that. And it's the same way with Jesus. When we love Jesus, we don't have to talk you into giving. We don't have to talk you into serving. We don't have to talk you into sacrificing. We don't have to, why? Because, because you love him. And so, so God watches over his word to perform it. We don't have to perform our love for God. We just have to receive his word that he loves us. It's who we are. It's who we are. We're loved by him. Why? Because that's who we are. So when we experience that, he performs his will in our life. Uh, that, that, that scripture in Isaiah where, where uh, the Bible says that God sends his word out and it will not return to him void, but it will succeed in what he sent it to do and it will accomplish what he sent it out to do. So what happens when God sends his word? Listen, stand up for a minute, man. Harley, man. Praise the Lord. You got a Harley? I do. What kind are you rolling? Street glide. That's the one with the two headlights. No, that's road glide. That's road glide. Street oops. Okay. So so what is your name? Matt. Matt. So Matt, when God sends a can you stand up, sir? What's your name? Mike. Mike. Matt and Mike. You're gonna be God over here. Yeah. Okay. So you're gonna be over here. Do you have a Harley? No. Go get one. Okay, so <laughs> He's got a road glide up for sale. Uh, but anyway, just kidding. So so he's gonna be God. So God sends his word to Matt. And then the Bible says it's not going to come back to him having not accomplished what he sent it to accomplish. So when God sends a word to Matt, it says you're going to be more blessed than stressed. All your children are going to be taught of the Lord. As for you and your house, you're going to serve the Lord. You're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to prosper. The windows of heaven are going to open up. How many of you know that God's word goes and grabs Matt and brings, it to, brings him to God, having accomplished what God said that he was going to do in his life? Amen. So God's word, thanks guys, God's word returns to him having done what he said he was going to do in your life. You're not going to leave the planet until what God said about you is done. God sent his word. So his, there's something about his word. The psalm says that God sent his word and it healed them and it delivered them. So when God tells you that 2000, through me, thank God, through my prayer and through God speaking to me for this house, when God says that 2017 is going to be the year of the outpour of more, it's not nothing. Listen, nothing is more more powerful than what God said. Your life is not going to come back to him having less than before. You're going to come back to him with more than before. Your responsibility is to believe it. It's God's responsibility to perform it. Amen, somebody? You're going to have more than before. Amen? It's going to be good up in here. 
Our responsibility is to believe it and to receive it. Hold fast to your confession of hope because he who promised is faithful. So let's look at this. Let's set the conditions for this. Let's, let's look to God's word. Let me preach my message now. So Mark, you're like, what's he been doing, girl? So Mark chapter 8, let's look at verse 11. So the Pharisees came out and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Everybody say, to test him. Now, this is crazy. A couple things are going on. Jesus, which is, uh, for me, this is a little awkward for Jesus because you have these religious uh, spirited people arguing with Jesus in order to test him. And here Jesus, the Bible says, is sighing deeply in his spirit, verse 12. It says, why are y'all looking for a sign? I'm telling you that no sign is going to be given to you. So what they were saying was, what they were arguing with him about was we are not going to believe, we are not going to believe that you're reliable until you show us you are. So Jesus just sighs in his spirit. He said, listen, how good is it when you believe it because I said it rather than believe it because you saw it? If you believe it, you'll see it. Some people say, if I see it, I'll believe it. But Jesus says, if you believe it, you'll see it. And so he sighs in his spirit. And how many times do we argue with him in our own selves on his reliability? I'll give you 10% if I win the lotto. <laughs> Amen. I'll, I'll submit to him if he loves me. I'll love her if she submits to me. I'll serve if I get something out of it. And we go through all these arguing. We are, God tells us to do something. We argue. We feel the spirit of God saying, forgive, forgive, forgive. Then we won't, we won't, we won't because we, won't, we need a sign. That, and, we, and, and how many of us argue on the inside? And I think sometimes Jesus goes a little Motown on us. Don't you? I do. I think he just goes Motown. If you don't know me by now. Right? He's like, why do you need a sign from me? Why do I need to get, you will never, ever, ever know me. Can I get some help from the white people? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Right? I mean, Jesus is like, if you don't know me by now, little children. Mm. I love my singing. <laughs> you will never, ever, ever know me. Ooh. After all the things, it's right here in the Bible, that we've been through, I don't understand, it should be so easy to do. Don't you know resurrection life, that Jesus knows the difference between right and wrong. Whoever's like doing the deaf thing, they're losing their mind right now, but the sign language, but I ain't going to do nothing to upset your happy home. Right? Just because Jesus comes home a little late at night, there ain't no reason to argue, fuss, and fight. Amen, somebody? Because if you don't know me by now, you will never, ever, ever. So he sighs in his spirit. I know I'm going to get in trouble, so I'm supposed to be on the platform, and I'm almost out the door. I'm going to get talked to. I'm going to go talk to. I felt the lights go on, and Dwayne's laser beams just hit me in the temple. Come on. 
Like, what's he doing, Jeannie, again? What's he doing? He don't listen. He like my kids. He don't listen. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. I'll get right back up here. And thank you. It's been nice knowing you. I'm a visitor for the last time. Thank you. <laughs> so he, he's saying, stop arguing. Stop arguing. So then he goes from there, and then he goes up, and he feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves and some fish. And then after he feeds those, he takes three guys with him and he goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And then after he does the feeding of the 4,000 and the Mount of Transfiguration, he comes down the hill and there in uh, uh, chapter nine of Mark, verse 14, when he comes back, he left nine of the disciples down there and he comes back, he sees this large crowd around the disciples and some of them same folks is arguing with them now. And they're arguing over the same thing. Is Jesus reliable? Is what he says really bring life to your life? Is what his word, does he really perform his word? Is he really faithful? Is he really the faithful one who promises? Does he really send his word to heal you and deliver you? Is his word enough? And they're arguing about believing. Because we see this a little bit later. And so, so here he walks down and he see, and he immediately when the crowd sees him, verse 15, they were amazed and they start running up to him. And Jesus said, what are y'all talking about? What are you discussing? He knew what they were discussing. They were discussing believing. What, do you, what, what kind of conversation is going on here? That it's the same religious spirited people trying to talk the disciples out of who Jesus is and his reliability. I'm telling you, if God gives you a dollar and you give him a dime back, he's going to open the windows of heaven. I'm telling you that if you believe and receive, you're going to be saved. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you go to heaven. It's dependable. Take it to the bank. Every man's a liar. God is true. Amen, somebody? He's like, just believe it, somebody. Believe it. If you don't know me by now, you're not going to get a sign. You're just going to know when I give you my word, you can take it to the bank with you. Wow. Thank you, man. Praise the Lord. I got some help from the brother from another mother and a sister from another mister. Come on, somebody. So, so here, here they, they, he said, what are you guys talking about? They're talking about believing. And then one of the crowd said, well, teacher, I brought my son possessed with this spirit that makes him mute. And let me just sidebar for a minute. When you know it's a demonic spirit trying to operate and take territory or get, a, get his claw into your life when the reciprocating response to whatever your internal conversation is, is pushing the mute button on your witness. Whenever you get into a conversation, well, it's just not politically correct to share my faith. I'm just going to be quiet and pray. No, it's in 2017, let's offend people. Let's just push in on them. Amen. I've been practicing for 59 years. I've got the offending people down. Follow me. 
Come on, somebody. We'll just, we'll just go and push in on people's complacency. We'll push in on people's darkness. We'll push in on people's uh, uh, spinning like, hey, but I'm a good person. Like, like, listen, man, we need to go to heaven through Jesus Christ. Then listen, he, he's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. He's the Lord. Amen. He's not just a good teacher because no good teacher teaches about themselves being the son of God. He's either the son of God or he's crazy. I believe he's the son of the living God. Amen, somebody. And so I'm not going to let the devil push a mute button on my life. I'm going to be up in somebody's Calvin's up in here. I'm going to be a porcupine in somebody's draws. Come on, somebody. It's like, here comes Hage. We got to be comfortable making people uncomfortable with their complacency. And I'm a spiritual person. Man, spiritual, everybody's spiritual. But not everybody's saved, man. And we got to get people on fire for God. We got to be combustible. We got to be contagious. Don't get me started. We need Jesus to be Lord of our life. We need to push back this darkness. We need to overtake people with the love of God and the faith of Christ. And we need to turn this whole region, grab it on one end, lift it up, and all the sinners roll into resurrection life. And let's train them, not just make decisions, but make disciples of all nations. Come on, somebody. It's our inheritance. Woo! My goodness, hold on. Okay. So he says, look, I, I got this kid, man, verse 18, and whenever this spirit that makes him mute seizes him, it dashes him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, stiffens out. I told you disciples had cast it out, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, oh, unbelieving generate. Here it is. Here it is. They're arguing. And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth is, this is a believing problem. Oh, unbelieving generation. Now, I don't know about you, but can you imagine going into one of Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok's staff meetings? And he just gets caught in the hall by some man and says, look, I brought this son of mine to your staff. And I asked him to pray. And they couldn't help him. And he walks into the staff meeting. He said, oh, you unbelieving generation. How long am I going to put up with you? How long am I going to do with this? How long is I, am I going to put up with this situation? How many of you know that at that moment, you're like, I can get this at home. I don't have to come to church and get this. Amen. If I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, why are you fronting me in front of the, there's a large crowd and he's lighting me up. And all I'm guilty of is trying to get somebody free from a demon. Just because I couldn't do it doesn't mean you have to get all up in my business, Jesus. You know, at least I tried. Can you imagine if we pastored this way? I'd go home. My kids wouldn't even come to my church. Amen, somebody? And they're on staff. They get paid to come to church. They wouldn't even come. Dad's just me. Jesus, I, I, bring them here. He's all flustered. Why? I've been arguing in Mark chapter 8. I've been arguing in Mark chapter 9. And now you guys still do not understand how reliable what I say is. Bring them here. If you just believe it. So he brings the kid to him. And verse 20, and, and when he saw him, when he saw Jesus, when the kid saw Jesus, he, he, the spirit threw him to the ground. He's convulsing. He's rolling around. He's foaming at the mouth. Here's the picture. There's all these people. They bring him the kid. He sees, as soon as he sees Jesus, he drops. 
He starts rolling around, stiffens out, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus is just like going, how, how long has this been happening to him? Like he's not like, oh my gosh, someone call 911. There's, you know, ushers, ushers, remove this demon possessed. He's just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Oh, is something going on bothering y'all? How long has this been happening right here? And the father said, this has been happening since he was a kid. Everybody say chronic issues are the result of chronic unbelief. See, whatever you're facing in your life is allowed to remain when we don't think God is reliable enough to deliver us. The pain that you carry in your marriage, the anger that you carry from your childhood. All women are users, all men are losers. I've been hurt. I can't trust nobody. See, those chronic issues that you've been carrying around for years are one belief away from disappearing. See, whatever thought you attach your belief to is the one that sticks to you. I recommend that we attach our belief to what Jesus said. He said, bring that kid here to me. And verse 22, he, he said, well, now he's been thrown in the fire and the water and it's tried to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, I don't know about you, that Jesus wasn't really responding very uh, favorably to this if you can do anything thing. The issue is not with the supply. The issue is with the demand. The issue isn't whether or not Jesus can do it. The issue is, are you able to believe it? Look at verse 23. Jesus didn't say, Jesus was like, don't if you can me, I'm going to if you can you. If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible. And immediately the boy father cried out. He said, look, I believe, but you got to help me with my unbelief. See, he, here, here, here he's got, he said, listen, you got to get, you got to go get this. You got to believe this. You got to put a demand on this. You got to take what is already procured by the cross for you. You can have anything you want as long as it's already yours. And all of the promises of God are already yes and amen. It's one belief away from you possessing it and being delivered as a result of it. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence take it by force. This means that there's an eagerness that's the automatic response of a person who believes the kingdom of God and its contents. There's this eagerness that says, I'm going to go get it. The spirits of men are so excited and get animated by the desire after his kingdom that we press in like a storm. 
We are resolutely set on enjoying the benefits of God's kingdom in our life. The kingdom of God, we go after it when it gets inside of us. We got to believe it and receive it. He says, I believe, but you got to help me in my unbelief. Here, Here it is, precious ones. Faith sets no limits on God's power. You can have more than before and an outpour. God is going to save people this morning. God is going to translate people from darkness into light. God is going to make room in your life to pour out blessing that you're not even going to be able to receive. We're going to have a miracle because people are going to come to church on Sunday night in Michigan. Come on, somebody. And, and, And here he says, listen, faith, help me with my unbelief, faith sometimes is only possible with the, one, uh, with the help of the one who, who, who the, is the object of our faith. And our faith is only as good as what it's in. And if it's in God, then you've got great faith. And now I want to just close with this. If I can have Ken or somebody on the piano. Here it is. Jesus fed 4,000 people. He went to the Mount of Transfiguration. He came down, cast this demon out of this kid, and his disciples come to him and say, how come we couldn't get it out? And by the way, they asked him that privately because they're never going to ask him anything publicly again after that tongue lashing that he got, right? And, and, and Merle, they said, why couldn't we get it out, man? He said, well, Matt, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting, but he never prayed. And you don't think he ate some bread and fish after he fed 4,000 people? This only comes out by prayer and fasting. Well, when, when did he fast? And when did he pray? There's no prayer here. He just cast it out. He didn't say, Father, I'm at He just, so what's he talking about, man? He's talking about moments like this where you're not in crisis, but you're praying and fasting. So when the crisis comes, Matt, you've already got the accumulation of belief built up where you just say, come out. I'm not gonna pray and fast about this. I'm just gonna pray and fast because I believe. And why do we wait for crisis to pray? Why do we wait till the bottom of our bucket falls out to fast? When the pastor says, let's consecrate the month of January and let's pray and fast. Why? Because when the crisis comes, we just tell it to go and it goes. Why? Because this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting before the crisis. And so what you're actually doing is setting the conditions for miracles right here and right now. There's miracles in motion. There's blessing on the horizon for you. Amen. What do we believe in God for? What do you trust in him for? More than before. Grab someone's hand very quickly. I'm out of time. And you're here today. Look at me. This is, this is how we get the ball rolling. You're here today. 
and you're saying, hey, I'm not even right with God right now. I haven't even believed Jesus for myself. He's not even Lord of my life. But today I'm going to get that right. You're here today and you're in the balcony and you're in the back row at the balcony and you're in church trying to hide from God. He's not going to let you go. He loves you too much. Or you're down here on the floor and you're, you're saying, man, I, I once walked with God, but I'm just not, he's not Lord of my life, man. He's in my life, but he, he's just not the Lord of mine. I want to come back to him after a long time or I want to come to him for the first time. Everybody hold somebody's hand and we're all going to pray. But if you want to get your life right with God today, right here on this Sunday morning, we're going to pray together and it's going to happen for you. Everybody say this after me. Heavenly Father, today's my day. I admit it. I've been going my own way, doing my own thing. But I ask you in this moment to forgive me, cleanse me, make me brand new. Write my name in your book of life. And God, even if nobody goes with me, Still, I'm going to follow you. From this day forward, I'm never going back to my old life. Lord, I thank you for saving me, filling me with your Holy Spirit, and giving me life in my life. In Jesus' name. Don't let go of that hand. You prayed that prayer. You meant business with God. Listen, don't give the devil another day. He's just a liar. What has the devil ever done for you? Why would you give him one more day? Jesus is standing ready to change your trajectory and make your life brand new. You prayed that prayer. You came to God for the first time or you came back after a long time. When I say three, will you just gently squeeze the hand of the person that you're holding? Ready? One, two. You've been waiting for this all your life, man. Three, squeeze that hand. Squeeze that hand. This is your moment. This is your moment to get translated from darkness to light, from the dominion of the devil to the lordship of the Lord Jesus. Squeeze that hand. In the balcony, squeeze that hand. Now, if somebody squeezed your hand, I'm going to count to three one more time. And when I say three, if someone squeezed your hand, I want you to lift it to God. Ready? One, two, three. Lift it right now. Lift it all over the house. Awesome. All over. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. Praise the Lord. Wow. Wow. In the balcony all the way back. I'm going to count to three one more time. And if someone squeezed your hand, don't negotiate. Just say, come on. I'm going to go with you. And when I say three, I want you to bring them right down here to me and Pastor. Ready? One, two, three. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Come on. Come on. This is the first day of the rest of your life, man. In the balcony, come on, we'll wait for you. We've all taken this walk of life. Come on, resurrection life. Clap like your mama's coming down here getting saved. Come on, somebody. Come close, come close, everybody. Come on, give God some praise. All of heaven is rejoicing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on. Come on, there's a party in heaven. Woo! Woo! Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Look at me. Look at me. Every sin that you ever committed. Have you committed some? Yeah, I can tell by looking. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Every sin that you ever committed is gone. It's a brand new day. God gave you all them teeth so you can show them. Amen, somebody. Now listen, if I don't ever see you again, I want you to find me in heaven, man. I'll be the butler at Dwayne Vanderklok's mansion in heaven. Listen, I want to ask you from the bottom of my heart, put roots down in God's house. If you plant in God's house, you'll flourish. The reason why you got in trouble is you aren't in God's house enough. Amen. Get to God's house, learn and flow and grow in the things of God. Welcome to the family, everybody. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.